Welcome to this episode of Behind the Counter, The Beanery. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Adrian. And, and together, together we're spilling the beans. Welcome to this episode of <laughs> Behind the Counter. Stephanie and I are just completely exhausted We're on this so Monday. Tired. <laughs> it's so bad. I haven't even had a sip of caffeine today. Stephanie is also, for those who don't know her um, well enough to know, she's recently given up caffeine. I don't I know how she does it, but. And how do you work in a beanery and give up caffeine? I mean. Or work in a beanery and just don't fix yourself something to drink. I, I did that yesterday. I, I was the team lead. I worked all three services. And when after we cleaned everything up, I like walked out the door and I'm like, I didn't even have a sip of coffee today. What You kind of don't have time when you're back there. Yeah. But I did bring some kava root tea last time that I was the team lead. And so I just put like, I brought, I brought my own tea bag and then I just put hot water in just it. Put but it in a, in a beanery cup. Yes. So you felt. Like you were part of the team. I didn't even have. I mean, if you taste it. But so that's what I was going to say. So I didn't, because you're so busy as a team lead, you don't really have time to drink it. So I took a few sips because we were in between services and I put it down and I never had it. And so when we were cleaning up, I saw it back there. And so I picked it up and I was like, oh, it's cold. But I didn't want to waste it. So I just drank it cold. So you chugged it. I Did chugged you just it cold. switch it over to an ice cup? No, I didn't even do that. I just ice chugged it down cold. And it, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, not not as good cold. But uh. anyway, so yeah, this episode, just Adrian and I, we've been really enjoying the Agape series, and we really enjoyed the uh, Women's Night. Yes. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, I actually met with my Agape small group an hour before mm-hmm. so we were already here on campus and then we sat um you know just at a random table after um which was which is always fun to me just meeting new people that mm-hmm. I don't see or maybe I see but I don't ever get a chance to talk to um I thought it was great I also loved the fact that there were um beanery volunteers all throughout the crowd and it was like every time i stood up to go and do something Mm -hmm. or walk you know i saw someone else that i knew and it's cool to be a part of that they're all part of our group but then they also have their own Own small groups or Mm -hmm. groups and then that's how community is formed yeah i mean that's really what it's because you and i were sitting like opposite of the i was literally against the right side wall and And i was stephanie was against the left side wall and when i tried to make it to you to come and say hi to you it was like table bouncing she was was like it looked it really like because it's almost mardi gras like it looked like she was like the the captain of the parade every time she would get a little bit closer somebody would stand up and give her a hug or shake her hand it was so fun and then when she would see beanery people finally she realized where i was when she got about halfway across the room you know because the room is not small by any means Mm -mm. and then when she would see a beanery person they'd both stand up and they'd point at me and wave so it was it was kind of cool i mean and then even to get back to my own seat i did it all the way back but with different people i'm like oh hello but it was great um Sharon had a, a, a awesome message. It was. Um, I talked it was. about it yesterday with several of the peop- the volunteers, you know, during services. Um, just the experience. She made it so interactive. Mm-hmm. She she really nailed down the points that she was trying to make. 
and it was beautiful. And I even when I got home, um, my husband asked me about it. Like, how was how was women's night? I was like, it was so good. And guess what we did at the end? And he said, let me guess, all of you hugged like as a joke. And I said, we really did. We all held hands and then we hugged. He's probably like, what's going on at women's night? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we don't do that at men's night. No, probably not. But um, we wouldn't know though. We've never been invited. We haven't been invited. So. But I have told, and I've told Sean Cobb this specifically that I've thought about dressing up as like a man and making my name Stephen and just come and see what goes on at men's night. But now we have a women's night, so I don't have to do that. Right. That was back when it was just men's night, and I was like, what's going on at these men? They're getting the good food, they're getting the good word. Exactly. But, but um, yeah, anyway. it was fun. Um, for those who didn't have a chance to attend, they did make an announcement at the end. Katie Cobb made an announcement that our next mm-hmm. women's night is going to be Wednesday, May 1st. Yes. So mark your calendars. If you're like me and you live off of your Google calendar, I literally in the moment she said the date, I went on my phone and added it in. Not that I don't know that there are going to be many announcements before then, but just so I know it's bookmarked, you know, give myself some time. Um, block it off. Block it off. And can I just say, too, that Katie Cobb did a wonderful, a fantastic she did. job. Way to she go, did. Katie. I was very proud of her. We just love of you her so much. And for her. I love her, too. I mean, she walked off the stage, and I was right there. And when she saw my face, it's like she just smiled. And, and, I, and I smiled back, you know, and it's like you don't want to give her a hug right then and there. You know, she's got other things going on. But it was like I hope that she saw that acknowledgement of, like, you did awesome, and I am so proud of you mm-hmm. because I know it's not easy to stand up there. Oh, no. Yeah, you do know that. I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> when the auditorium's empty, I, I, we, we've tried. We've we've made our way up there just, just to see what it's we like. Sta- yeah, we just want to see what it was like and the power, like the weight of the room. I'm just like, oh, my ass a lot. But uh, And there's also worship night is coming up. Yeah, Is that the end of this month? Yes, at the end of February. I want to say the 29th. Let me look really quick. And they will have child care that's provided. They said, And there's no registration needed. So it's, yeah, that's right, February 29th at 6.15. And then child care is provided for birth through second grade. But they said that you don't need to um, register for that. And it's in the theater venue. Okay, okay. In the theater venue. So that'll feel nice and cozy because sometimes the auditorium is so big, you know. So Right, yeah. But um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to I love worship nights here. I love it. I feel like you can just no matter how big your problems are, you can kind of escape for a moment. Just praise God with people right next to you doing the same thing. Just praising God. And um, I really like it. I love worship nights. Yeah, especially during the week. You know, um, like Pastor Sean even mentioned yesterday, it's not even about just showing up every Sunday. It's Mm-mm. about that connection and that community feel during mm-hmm. the week. And something like that is it for me. That's what I need. I need those connection points during the week. Yeah, keeps so you going. I look forward to them. I like the rhythm of those. So helps it helps maintain, you know, that relationship and that active role play, I guess, that I have going. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. Oh, speaking of cereal, <laughs> Stephanie feeds her, her family soup for breakfast. <laughs> cereal. It's just cereal, but it's like a healthy cereal. And so we have this new healthy cereal that's supposed to be like chocolate chip cookie dough but my kids are like what and so my husband takes real cookies that we have from costco and he crumbles them up in a bowl adds milk and he ate that for his breakfast and i'm like no in front of the kids 
yes. And they all came running telling me, right? They're like, Dad, Dad put cookies in a bowl with milk and he's calling that his cereal. Well, he walks back there with a smile <laughs> on his face and he's like, he's like, yeah, dude. So then we go to church. We go and we order his drink. Right. And you, you did the syrups for that. Right. Because we were talking and, you know, we do have a secret menu. Not many people know about it. It's not <laughs> really not so secret. Um, we, we know how to make creme brulee. Uh, and so we the, were talking about it because there's a, also another local coffee shop that we all go to. And I had tried it on Friday. The, and then Stephanie says, oh, that's what my husband had yesterday. Yeah, the creme brulee, the creme brulee ice latte with caramel no, drizzle in the cup. In the cup. Just, and, but, we're just trying to set the tone. But the creme brulee here. latte, though, already has caramel, caramel white chocolate and vanilla. So, I mean, it's sweet, sweet. Yeah. It's very sweet. Even Sean Cobb was like, this is really sweet. It's dessert in a cup. Yes. And then you add caramel drizzle all on the sides of the cup. You're just drinking yes. straight caramel so you're So you did... I fixed the syrup. So I was team lead, typically team lead, you know, for those who are not familiar with how we work, team lead usually stands in between the cashiers. And as otters come in, we pump the syrups into the cup so that it can be passed down through the line for the coffee to be made. We just try to do it as as efficiently. added extra, though. So I did. I added extra creme brulee flavoring, I guess, because I didn't partition it out. And you didn't know about the cookie breakfast. I didn't know he had cookies in a bowl and called it cereal. And I added caramel drizzle, and Stephanie saw me. But then when they walked away, I was like, "Uh, let me just put a little more for, you know, make sure that her husband's really feeling good today. Oh, gosh. So then when it gets down to the milk, he can see that they're mixing the milk, like really stirring it. Probably because by the time I got to the milk person, they're like, oh, my gosh, there's like a an inch of syrup in the bottom of this cup. Let me mix it. <laughs> so they're giving it a good old mix. And Brandon looks over and goes, oh, there goes my drizzle. And I said, look, I'll take care of you. So I walk over to Gavin, who's doing expo on the outside. And he's, you know, going to put the lid on. I said, Gavin, could you put a little drizzle on top? Because all of his got mixed in. And he's like, sure. Squirts it all on the top. And now I didn't know that you put extra. Oh, yeah. He definitely had probably more syrup than he did espresso in his cup I if think you got to that point i yeah. think so and he, it was probably the best coffee he's ever had i it was probably more like <laughs> half and half and syrup with a little splash of coffee he did say he goes oh man that's sweet and i said <laughs> i said do you want do you want to go like just pay for it just espresso and we could just dump it in there and because it's like too sweet He's like, no, no, it's fine. And then halfway through worship, he leans over because he keeps mixing it and drinking it. He goes, this is just getting better and better. And I'm just like, <laughs> I said, Brandon. So he, and then what else did we have? I don't know what else we had that day, but he did at one point well, say, I've had way too much sugar. Or he bought a cookie. Oh, he did? But did he did give he it to the kids? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Cookie. And then after service, you texted me a picture of a coffee that you. That was did mine. He, you, no, he, he didn't, didn't indulge he didn't get then. anything. Because I was going to say, we, we, we probably need to get him in next and interview him and also maybe have someone here to check his blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little concerned because if, if he is. It saying, was also Super Bowl yesterday. So I would imagine that you guys had sweets at home or we wherever did. you went. We did. We had a, um, a specially made. One of our friends brought over a specially made, uh, what what do you guys call it, a cronut? Oh, yeah. And it was in the shape of a heart, and it was strawberry cream cheese with strawberries all over it. It was so good. 
good. Yeah, we had way too much sugar. So, but That's no, if he slept last night, if my husband is saying to me, I think I had too much sugar, then I know like it's bad. Like I would have been dead already. Oh yeah. 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 So I didn't well, know that you he, put extra syrup in, in there. his defense. He probably just, um, at that point, you know, it's probably like 10 AM and he's had enough sugar for a week. He had to just keep it going all day because can you imagine You're the crash, crash on yeah. that? And yesterday was a fun day. Like, you knew you had to stay up late. That game didn't end until like 1030. I did not know you put extra caramel dress on there. I take care of my people. You do. You do. Well, your Valentine's party looked, or the Galentine's party looked awesome. It was yes. totally decked out. The only boy allowed was my mom's puppy. <laughs> oh well yeah puppies are yeah it was awesome um you know just me and my mom and a house full of little preteens or some are teenagers already um playing games having a good time it looked like a lot of fun I already went on and on about it it was a really it was a really cool experience for me because you know like for so for the past few years like maddie struggled with friendships and and you know, just girls being nice. And I wasn't quite sure how everyone was going to interact because this was like new friends that I've never met. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm using my child's better judgment that she's not making friends with just people that, you know, don't come, aren't coming from a good place, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as like their beliefs, their, their overall morale. And then she invited Aubrey and some of the girls from church. And then, you know, one of the girls, she comes to church here, but she also went to Maddie's old school. So it was like, okay, we're pulling old friends, new friends, church friends. How's that going to work? And then, you know, on the ride there, it was it was good. They were kind of laughing and joking. On at, Once they all connected together, it was like so beautiful, like during the party. And everybody just started kind of talking and hanging out. And it was like, it doesn't matter who you are. We're just people. We're just here to have a good time. So on the way back... They were all mixed up in the seats. It wasn't like, oh, we go to the same school. We need to sit by each other because we know each other. We're more comfortable. They were all. And your daughter, Aubrey, was like literally in the middle of two girls that she just met three hours ago. My child's in the back with other kids. And they're just all talking, showing each other videos. Aubrey's like, I hear her ask one of the girls. She's like, what grade are you in? Like, they don't even know. It didn't even matter. Yeah. And just to hear those conversations, you know, and she's like, this is what I do. And they're like, well, this is what we do. And this is what we and, you know, it was like so much excitement, just pure excitement. You know, it's hard to fathom that as an adult sometimes. Right. The joy of meeting new people. And Mm -hmm. these kids are all just they're just kids looking for connection. And And it was so cool to just be the person to get to experience it from the front seat, not really involved, but just hearing it, you know, Mm -hmm. and from I guess for me, it's cool. I get you know, what what I'm trying to get out here is, you know, you're used to driving with a vehicle full of kids, you have four, your hands full all the time, you Mm -hmm. know, I have just one. So she's usually in the front seat with me. And then I don't, I'm not used to having any noise coming from the back seat, you know, except whenever we're like doing carpool for school or something. So for me, it was just a beautiful experience to have all of my seatbelts taken up and just be the one driving down the road and listening to just joy, laughter. And That's so sweet. it's beautiful friendships that are formed, you know, and then I heard yesterday, my niece has been coming here. 
Um, she just started coming since the party. She's learning about God. She's never actually had any relationship or any definition of religion, faith, anything. So she's like starting from ground zero. It's like an infant. And the first thing Aubrey said when she saw Maddie was, where's Riley? Aww. So it's cool that they're ch- they check in on each other. They're accountability partners mm-hmm. for each other, even at such a young age. Mm-hmm. I know. I love it. We have such a good generation of like youth here at the Bayou. Right. I don't know if it's like that at other churches, I guess, because I'm not there. But, man, they just... I don't know. I don't know because I'm not I'm not well versed in in many other churches, but I will say like mm-hmm. going to Catholic school. Um you know, there was a divide, so to speak, because like in the Catholic Church, obviously there are, you know, rules and things like that that you follow, but whenever you're fortunate enough to go to a Catholic school, you're receiving your religion classes within the school setting. So like we had religion every day. Um, and then we would attend mass as a, as a school group once a week. And then our parents obviously fulfilled the rest of the obligation to bring us on Sunday. Um, however, kids in the community that went to public school, they received, they went to, you know, like a night class. Typically it was like on Sunday afternoons, kind of similar to what we have called catechism where, you know, because they didn't have religion in the classroom, they were getting it through the church and volunteers, but there was a divide there where there wasn't like an invitation for those of us who were in the school. You know, this, there was no community involvement. It stopped there. So like, for instance, when we did make our sacraments, you know, whether it was first communion, I didn't notice it when I was a kid. You know, I was in second grade when I made my first communion. But when we were in high school and received the sacrament of confirmation, we were 17 years old. These kids show up for like, our retreat or they show up for the night of the confirmation the sacrament and I'm like I don't even know these kids that I'm making the sacrament with mm-hmm. and here everybody's invited it doesn't even matter doesn't matter if you go here don't go here what religion you are we just want to see you we just want to yeah. hang out with you you know and so I don't know it's just a different experience I can see that but, but <laughs> <laughs> In the beginning was the Word, and the, the Word was with God. God created man. And then Adrian and Stephanie. In principio errant verbum. At verbum errant apodeo. No, we're memorizing um, John 1 in Latin right now. So. I was about to say, oh, I have no clue what you just said. Yeah, it's I Latin. could probably say some Catholic prayers in French if you really want to get on a duped. How many languages? That's the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We should we should see how many languages we can fit into. That's Korean. Okay, you're good. You got me beat because I have I don't know anything. <laughs> Do else. Spanish. Do Spanish. Jesus. Por favor. Jesus es mi amore. See, look, she's like just Latin. <laughs> no, she's all over kidding. the map. No. I, I literally, I mean, I took French for two years in high school, and then I took it. Um, for two semesters as part of my undergrad, we had That's foreign really language cool. requirement. So I am not fully versed in French. Learned, is so pretty. I learned a lot of prayers in the Catholic school, you know, in French. But. And see, when I was in the military, we were learning Korean. Like I learned a lot of like, well, I mean, there's like the simple stuff, like grocery store and stuff like that and car. But we, we 
we learned a lot of war terms too that's and so i'm like say. that's like, not very fun to be you don't want to throw those out there for us not really. it's kind of like gang signs no <laughs> no, I'm no. Um, no yeah i mean i had a really good french teacher in high school um but we did we did utilize some of our time you know towards prayer and things like that so when I got to LSU I, I had a really good foundation we didn't obviously cover prayers so I got a little bit more in depth in college with French and and I do think it's a beautiful language I think it's a dying language here in the U.S. All right. you know or Cajun French is and I know that this is a you know traditional or Parisian French which is what it's classified as you know it's there's some di- there's some differences there, but for me, I grew up like my grandmother on my dad's side. She grew up only speaking French in her household. Like my great grandfather that I knew until I was probably seven, he only spoke French. She didn't learn English until she got to school, and then when she went home, French, you know, Cajun French, I guess, you know, it was a it was a modified, almost like a slang of French was spoken at home so there was a big struggle there but it was something it was part of her story and she started us young on you know like learning certain terms and stuff so I always had a desire to learn more and then my dad pushed it as well because he was like your grandmother that was her first language you know like you need we need to keep this going for us well, I think it's funny. Uh, so I learned about like the Orphan Train Museum. Like, the, well, I learned about the Orphan Train at the Orphan Train Museum. Oh, okay. And I don't, have you visited that? I have not. Okay, so they were talking about these nuns that were like in New York City at the time. Immigrants are booming. Everybody can't be fed. People are getting sick, right? And these parents are dying off. These children are living in the streets. These poor little babies living in the streets. And so these nuns and priests kind of got together. It was a nun that started it, but they were priests that were on board. And they kind of got together and were like, we need to get these people to families. And so if you go to the South and the West and all that stuff, they're living on farms, right? They're able to like right. feed all. They've got big families. They can feed their kids. They're not living in these tight quarters. And so they were putting tags on them, sending them on the train. So people out in the South and the West would fill out their form. We want, we want a child. Maybe like blonde hair with brown eye, you know, whatever. Like they right. would try to sometimes match them up, but they couldn't always. And the reason they would put it, some put no request, but some did so that it would kind of like they'd look like the family members that were currently there. And so they'd write it back and be like, this is going to be your kid. They're going to be tag number 11. Right. And so when the train pulled up and the orphans got off, it was like you looked for the kid that had number 11 on his tag. And like how scary that must have been and how crazy that was. And these nuns would go do home visits to make sure they were being well taken care of. Now, back then we didn't have computers and databases, right? Right. I mean, how were they keeping track of all of that? They weren't. But so, I mean, they were to the best of their ability, but you can imagine that something fell through the cracks at some point. Or, you know, people can put on a pretty picture whenever someone's visiting, you know? Right. And I think for the most part it went well. They had like a few cases where they're like, we're taking this kid back, but... um but what was fascinating was thinking about the language barrier because you're talking right. about these were pro- mostly English speaking, but some of them were immigrants kids. So they weren't speaking, they were speaking a different language. Right. And then they get down here into the Cajun country where they're <laughs> speaking French. 
So some of these kids are coming in speaking English or other languages. I mean, how to like communicate with that child and then sticking them into school. Right. You know? So, yeah. So like my dad was saying that my grandmother didn't know English and she would tell us stories, you know, like she would get slapped on the wrist with a ruler by the nuns if she would try to speak French in the class. That's tough. It is tough. Um, the first language that you learn to speak is the one that is the tied one that, to your emotions. That's what I, okay. So that, that's actually beautiful that you brought that up because I always wondered that, you know, you notice like, so different grandmother, my mom's mom. Um, one time she got really, really ill. Her gallbladder was essentially about to burst. It was really on its last leg. And so she spiked a fever to like 105. I mm. mean, just off the charts. And she went back to speaking French in that moment too. So both of my grandmothers, you know, spoke French, but my dad's mom was, you know, the one who was only speaking it in at home. My mom's mom was... um my great-grandmother actually attended college. She was like one of the second graduating classes at UL, um, or it was called SLI at the time, and she was, an, she was a teacher. So my mom's mom was very fortunate that her parents had an education. My dad's mom, not so much, but it is fun, like not to even throw this whole story into a loop, but it's interesting to me that when people get upset or angry, or emotions are involved, mm -hmm. you do fall back to that first yeah. language. That's the one, that's where your emotions connect to that language. So people that. that I know that are ESL, English as a second language, um, sometimes they have a hard time praying in English. Oh, okay. You know, so, or, or yeah, when they're stressed or wanting to cry, it's like they want to de default back to their, their native language. So that's yeah, very interesting. Well, anyway, that's all we have for you guys this week. But next week, we're interviewing our children. So stay tuned for that. That should be a fun one. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing what their responses are going to be. Hopefully, they have some good stuff for us to, uh, to bring to you guys. But, you know, no matter what, what we really are interested in is hearing from you guys. So send us a message on Facebook, send us an email, or just come find us on Sunday. We are always behind the counter. <laughs>